Welcome to the Double Technical Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Lucas Ryman. I hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. We got quite a bit to talk about. Um, it was a it was an interesting sports weekend to say the least, and that's why I just want to go ahead and jump right into what we always start with, the local segment, and of course. In case you're new to the show or have maybe forgotten, this is always brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and use code DOUBLETUCK. <laughs> wow, here this is how the show is going to start. Uh, use the code DOUBLETECHNICAL to save you $20 off your first ticket purchase. SeatGeek has tickets for everything that you could imagine. Uh, if they sell tickets, they probably got it and they probably got you a deal. So use CKey.com code double technical for $20 off your first ticket purchase. So we're going to start with UK basketball to lead off the show. Uh, UK played Vanderbilt on Saturday night. They won 56 to 47. Um, Haggins and Johnson both had 15 points. Emmanuel quickly had another 12 points to add up. Um, it was a poor shooting night, especially from the three for UK as they only went, um, 25%. Um, but what was key and the reason why they were able to ultimately get the win is they limited, uh, Vanderbilt to 36.2% from the floor, uh, total throughout the game. So that you can't win a game shooting 36.2%. The defense was good enough to limit that. Uh, you know, my 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 kind of thoughts of you know, I thought they would beat Vanderbilt easily. Um, it was a little closer than I thought it should have been, but nonetheless, it's two good bounce back wins after dropping uh to Alabama. Um, Alabama actually got upset by Texas A&M and that was pretty fun to watch since they beat us. Um, but looking forward on Tuesday, we have a game versus Georgia. Georgia's coming off of a loss to Auburn. Uh, they not been as good as they have been in year past. They're, they're nine and six. Um, and Georgia's, Georgia's biggest struggle is they lack defense. They give up more points just about than they score. And you know, that's obviously a problem. So I think that this will be a tougher matchup because Georgia always comes to play against us just like Alabama does. But ultimately, I think UK is going to go out and take care of business, especially because they need to do this and then get ready for Auburn, who's coming Saturday. And we'll talk about that more, obviously, on Friday. But that is a crucial game we got we got two hard hitting or actually three hard hitting games in a row after this Georgia matchup versus number 11 Auburn number 14 Mississippi State and number seven Kansas so this is a time to really start you know bunkering down and getting ready because this is about to be an onslaught and we got to be able to handle it or we could really hurt our chances going forward this season Next, I want to talk about NKU basketball and how they were able to get a narrow but nonetheless a victory over their rival Wright State on Friday. Uh, Final score was 68-64. to 
Uh, NKU was trailing at half, and I, I was a little bit concerned, but I knew as long as they started taking a little bit smarter shots, they're, they're getting a little happy. Uh, Drew McDonald was taking shots that weren't necessary as far as some threes and, and little things like that. I knew that they would be able to manage better in the second half, and, and that's really what they did. They came out, were able to make some plays, and keep Wright State behind them. Uh, to end out the game strong and get that victory. We knew it wasn't going to be an easy win, even though Wright State's been struggling this year. You always come out a little bit harder for your rival. And that's what they did. Wright State, give them some credit. They fought hard, but NKU was able to weather the storm. Uh, some of the things that I wrote down as far as details. First off, it was amazing being able to watch NKU on ESPN2. I thought that was awesome, and uh, they really were kind of buzzworthy. Um, Drew McDonald went 22 and 12 from the floor, or you know, 22 points, 12 rebounds. Sharp added another 14, and then Tate off the bench had 19 points, seven boards, and four assists. That is great play off the bench. Granted, he did have 30 minutes, but he still was technically off the bench. Uh, this is their 11th straight home win, and they are 14-4 and four on the year. So that is huge. The, this NKU squad is really doing well. Um, and there, there's not too much to complain about it. And then a uh, little other side note that I wrote uh, when I was watching the game is that inbound play that w became buzzworthy and was all over social media, how they did that football-inspired out of bounds play where you had everyone lined up like a receiver <laughs> and then ran out and it worked. I mean, it broke the press and they were able to go down and get a basket and that's what ultimately matters. But it was very interesting to see that everyone was really thrown off. Um, I thought it was a very innovative way for the coach to throw off right state. They now go on to play Cleveland State on Thursday. ESPN Power Index gives them an 80% chance of victory. Cleveland State is 5-15, and 15 and ultimately they do not match up well with NKU. Um, they give up more points than they score. They've lost their last six. Um, Cleveland State is just really struggling this year, so NKU just needs to go in there, stick to the script, do what they're used to doing, and they should go out and easily get a W and continue on this wonderful streak that they've been on to start this year. So I don't see too much to worry about as long as we come in focused and do what we got to do. Next, as always, we have the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, you wouldn't think that there'd be too much to talk about, but there is a few things really quickly that I wanted to do um, before I in the local segment, which this is going to be a short one. I'm sorry. This episode might be short as a whole um, because it's just me. <laughs> but we obviously know that Zach Taylor is going to be the Bengals' next, next head coach. That'll be officially announced once the Rams are out of the playoffs, which with them winning, who knows when that will be. I did run a poll uh, after the Friday show um, about whether or not you like or how you feel about the Zach Taylor hiring. 49% uh, of the people who voted were unsure, 45% are excited, and 6% are not. I'm. It's one of those things, like I said on the show, I hope this, this isn't going to be 
almost like a Belichick thing where everyone buys into that these people are so great. Look at them. They're with Belichick, so they're going to be like Belichick. But ultimately, that's not how any of this works. We've seen Josh McDaniel struggle. We've seen uh, Matt Patricia struggle. We've seen all these other coordinators who have left Bill Belichick's system not been good and end up coming back. That's where, you know, I get curious is are we doing the same thing now with Sean McVay? You know, how much power and how really good is Zach Taylor going to be come playoff time, come play calling, dealing with all the other personalities since he's only really the QB coach? You know, what influence does he truly have in the Rams organization right now? And that's just unknown. And just because he's offensive-minded and that's kind of a nuance right now, I think too many people are buying into everyone around Sean McVay. And somebody is going to get hurt as far as following this trend, and I'm afraid it's going to be the Bengals. And there's a reason why there's kind of a running joke right now that, you know, this guy who had donuts with Sean McVay is going to be a head coaching candidate because everyone in the NFL is pouncing the Rams coaching staff. And like I said, I'm just afraid knowing the Cincinnati fan base, knowing this team, knowing this organization, our luck is that we're going to go and get the one that really should not be the head coach. And we're going to be in some bad predicaments going forward. But <sighs> your boy's also a pessimistic person. And so ultimately, we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, that that's all we can do is wait and find to find out. Um, but <laughs> the thing that I really wanted to focus on is there are rumors um, that Ben McAdoo is potentially going to be the offensive coordinator. Um, we know that Zach Taylor is going to basically be hiring his entire staff of his choosing. They fired everybody from the Bengals staff. Um, some to uh, some that upsetted some of the players, some not so much. But I get why they're doing it. They're trying to make their offer, you know, sexier, quote unquote, by saying, you know, you come here, you do what you want. You bring in all the coaches that you want. You bring in everybody under your belt that you would want to work with. And we'll, let's rebuild this team together. So I could see the benefits to that. But, you know, it's going to be interesting. I know Ben McAdoo um, did not do well as the New York Giants head coach, which I felt like he was thrusted into that position anyways after Tom Coughlin retired from coaching. Um, and I just don't know about his fit with the current style of the team. Um, I feel like he'll definitely utilize Joe Mixon more, but we're also a prolific pass defense or offense. I'm sorry. And that was some of the issues that he had with Odo Beckham Jr. Um, Eli Manning and things like that. So I'm just, I'm really curious how he 
if he is the offensive coordinator that Zach Taylor wants, how he's going to blend with the the group of talent that we have, or is Zach Taylor really going to make the play calls, and then we may be in a little bit different of a position there. But all in all, we're we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. That's how all this works. We could sit here and talk till you know, we're blue in the face, but we won't know till it happens. And ultimately, that's that's what we're going to sit here and wait. And we're going to wait for the official announcement. And then we can truly, really break down their fit, what we expect to happen, and things like that going forward. So... That is it for today's local portion of the show. Again, it's brought to you by SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app and use code DOUBLETECHNICAL to get $20 off your first ticket purchase. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and break down the excitement that was this NFL weekend, kind of. I mean, most of the games were a little boring. Not going to deny it. Um, But we'll break down all those games, and then I also have a little uh, NBA tidbit at the end of the show that I want to talk to everyone about. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this quick break. All right, welcome back, everybody. Now, obviously, the thing that we have to talk about, (coughs) excuse me, is all of the NFL action. So the first game that we had was on Saturday, Saturday afternoon. It was the Chiefs versus the Colts. Michael, Brian, and I all had the Colts winning this. We felt that they were like a complete team, and you can't trust Andy Reid and the Chiefs in the postseason. I mean, they, they've always come up short, and Andrew Luck was 10-0 versus the Chiefs up to this point. Instead... We had a 31 to 13 victory for the Chiefs over the Colts and it was <laughs> it was not even that close. The score made it seem closer and the crazy thing is is it would have been closer and more competitive if poor Adam Vinatieri, the man that has been so consistent throughout time I mean, the the man never misses. He he always is on point, and he missed a extra point and a even shorter field goal. Um, and that's when you knew the gig was up for the Colts. Uh, you knew it was GG at that point. Um, Andrew Luck was they they were just awful. They did not have a first down until the final drive to go down and try to score. Um, that ultimately ended in a shank field goal, I believe, or, or not till the second quarter, something like that. It was it was outrageous, and he didn't have a completion for a while. And yeah, basically, this is what I wrote down: is Andrew Luck and Colts offense was rendered absolutely useless, and that's the truth. Patrick Mahomes looked like the, his MVP self. Um, he I, he did not have a throwing touchdown I don't believe let me double check that I know that this was the first playoff game in history where a quarterback a running back and a wider uh yeah wide receiver all had a rushing touchdown but let me see sorry scroll 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 okay yeah he did not throw a touchdown they had four rushing touchdowns on the day in a field goal so a not very chief like 
Um, but they still were able to get done what they needed to get done. Uh, Mahomes was able to throw for 278 yards and eat up, you know, the defense. Uh, Kelsey had over 100 yards receiving. And that, that Colts defense also just did not look very good. Um, the offensive line for the Colts, that is supposed to be primo, you know, top of the line. Uh, they were getting to luck. They were putting pressure on them. They were hitting them. They were sacking. They were stripping. They were tipping. I mean, everything was happening. Um, and the Colts just never had a chance, period. Just plain and simple, never had a chance. And so, thus, all three of us were wrong to to kick off the divisional round of the playoffs. Again, like I said, this is the first loss ever for Andrew Luck versus the Chiefs, and now the Chiefs are going up against New England in their home court. Um, this is going to be an Arrowhead Stadium next week. And obviously, we'll talk more about that come Friday. So, on to the next Saturday game. We had the Rams versus the Cowboys. Um, the Rams were able to get a victory 30-22. to um, the Rams offensive line with Andrew Whitworth, which by the way, shout out to Andrew Whitworth for getting their first, his first ever career playoff victory. You know, we love you. We miss you. We wish you were still in Cincinnati doing that, but go do your thing. Go prove them wrong because everyone thought that the defensive line and offensive line were not going to be good enough to go against this Cowboys team. And everyone was blatantly wrong again. Um, that that defensive line, man, Ndamukong Sue finally, for the first time all year, showed up and just completely obliterated that run game. They were stopping Elliott's, uh, you know, Zeke all day long. He had 47 total rushing yards. That is horrible for the Dallas Cowboys who rely on the run game to be going. That way they, they can consistently get the passing game going with Dak. And... That just wasn't an option, you know. Uh, they were blowing up those run plays and keeping anything big from happening. Um, and, and that's ultimately what did them in. Uh, the score is closer than it seems, but the Rams pretty handedly had this and kind of, you know, let the Cowboys get a little bit back into it to end the game, but then they just ran it to end it. Um, it was a great dual threat running attack between Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson, who's been on four different teams this year. And homeboy is a little overweight, but still destroying people, which is great for him. Um, Goff was serviceable. Um, nothing too too much to to brag on about him, but ultimately this game is what we thought it was going to be. The Cowboys were not a legitimate team in our opinion. And so we all had the Rams, and so we all got that right. So we all... Me, Brian, and Michael were one and one after the Saturday weekend. And then this is where everything goes to crap. <laughs> At least if you're me. So we had the Patriots to kick off against the Chargers on Sunday. And I chose the Chargers because, well, Brian and I actually chose the Chargers. I chose them because I had the early pick, if anybody has been around since the get-go. Um, at the beginning of the season, that was a bold prediction that I took that the Chargers would represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So I had to stick with that, even though you heard me on Friday. I did not want to go against Tom Brady and the Patriots because this is the game that they always come out there and show you why you don't want to doubt them. But I did it. I did it because I had to stick with my own word. 
And then Brian did it for some reason, but Michael was the only one that foresaw uh, this call, uh, this coming as he chose the Patriots, and the Patriots won 41 to 28. Again, scores not as close as it seems. It was 35 to seven at halftime. Um, it looked like it was going to be a good game after the first two drives. You know, you had the the Patriots who took up basically half of the first quarter on the opening kickoff. Uh, to get a touchdown, and then Phillip Rivers in about two or three minutes answered right back with the touchdown. You're like, okay, here we go. Now the defense just needs to step up, and if this offense can keep playing like this, we're going to have a game, and that it just never came to flourishion. Um, the defense for the Chargers could not stop the run. Um, Michelle had three running touchdowns and 129 yards. Um, compare that to Melvin Gordon, who only had 15 rushing yards due to the Patriots defense, just stopping them up. Um, and, uh, Rivers finished 300 yards plus with three TDs, but most of that was due to garbage time. Tom Brady, uh, almost 400 yards, one touchdown pass. Um, it, it it's one of those things you feel bad because you really thought this was the chance for Phillip Rivers. This Chargers team seemed more complete, but what everyone forgets and what I was talking about, even though I picked the Chargers, is the Patriots know what to do come this time of year. They know how to come out, focus, ready to go, and they do their thing. And that's why it's hard to pick against them, and I did it regrettably. Uh, Michael was the only one who did not, so Michael now has the lead over me and Brian. Me and Brian were now 1-2, and two, and he was 2-1. and one. So then you have... The last game. This, I'm so devastated by this, guys. Uh, so the Saints beat the Philadelphia Eagles 20 to 14. The game clearly, or at least, looked like it was going to be the Eagles. I mean, they jumped out to a 14 to nothing lead in the f- first quarter, and you're like, "Yes, here we go. I'm right because both of them picked the Saints, and I picked the Eagles." Foles magic. This is this going to keep going, right? Right. <laughs> Instead, they never scored from that point forward, and my heart was absolutely broken. They had multiple chances, and the thing that's kind of crazy is uh, the defense was just getting winded. Um, the offense could not sustain drives long enough to get them a good rest, but even then, they were able to hold up and keep them from scoring. Uh, they They actually... Had a great play where they stopped Kamara in the backfield uh, and made it to where uh, the Saints kicker missed a field goal with three minutes left. Uh, and this is when I thought, here we go. Foles magic. Let's make this happen. And I'm a little perplexed by the things that transpired. So they were moving down the field. And so what happened was Nick Foles tried to throw it to Alshon Jeffrey and it just, just one of those things guys, usually 99 out of a hundred, he catches these, but this is the one time that he didn't. It went through his hands and it got picked off by Marshawn Lattimore, which by the way, shout out to him. He had two interceptions on Nick Foles yesterday. What a great way to bounce back after his last start in the playoffs with the whole Viking miracle. So that's great that he bounced back. But anyways, I don't blame Jeffrey for dropping that wide open pass Uh, uh, because here's my thing. It was right at the two-minute warning. 
to me, there was no reason to run a play there. Take the time out and think about what your next play is going to be. And instead, to me, Nick Foles rushed that. Doug Peterson rushed that when it was not necessary. And that's why I feel like Alshon was not ready because I think some of the receiving core genuinely thought that they were just going to let this run down. And instead, they hurried up, ran a play, even though he was wide open and just happened to go right through his hands. It it wasn't necessary, and that is what ultimately sealed it. Uh, the Saints did have to get a first down, which they did <laughs> on a run by Kamara on third and 10 is how they sealed it up, getting the first down. And, yeah, just... It was heartbreaking. I really thought that the Eagles were going to do it, and I was going to get to laugh at everybody, and instead they're laughing at me because the Saints won. And, yeah. So, ultimately, uh, Michael ended up going 2-2. and Or, I'm sorry, 3-1. and Um, Then Brian went 2-2, and and I went 1-3. and So. Hopefully y'all weren't betting on my side, (laughs) but yeah. So, uh, you know, we have the chiefs versus the Patriots. The chiefs are are, uh, the home team. Uh, They've obviously played once this year. They played in Foxborough though. And the Patriots were able to get a win. I think it was like 45, 42, some outlandish number. Um, And then we have the saints versus the Rams. The saints uh, were actually the ones that ended the Rams eight, no start in the Superdome, which that's where this is going to be played as well. So we have two teams or well, two matchups where the t- this matchup already happened in the regular season. So these teams are going to come in knowing each other a little bit better. And I think that's going to be important. And I think that's going to make these games super, I mean, super competitive because there's some familiarity. And I think that that's great for us. It's also the first time ever that all the top four scoring teams in the NFL made it to the last four. I mean, this has been a weird year for offense, and yeah, this is why everyone's buying into the Sean McVay, because all these offenses, man, that are prolific, that's what everyone wants, that's what everyone cares about, and uh, it's going to be interesting, but obviously I don't want to go too deep into this as me, Brian, and Michael hopefully will be able to uh, match up together and get uh, a podcast recorded where we can talk about all of our analysis and break down the games for everybody. So, that normally would wrap up the show, but I wanted to talk really quickly about something that's been going around the NBA that has a lot of people talking, especially one of my uh, really cool friends, Nate. Uh, Nato, hope you're able to listen to this one, sir. Um, Kyrie Irving and the Boston Celtics are kind of in a weird, um, not predicament, but uh, they they have some odd chemistry things going on right now. Basically, um, they they had a good win streak there, and they've lost I think th- the last three games in kind of an ugly fashion. And Kyrie Irving basically to to summarize what he did, he basically came out and said that we got to be better. We you know the small details are what matters, and basically calling out everyone else that they don't care about it. And a lot of people, at least that I saw on social media, were blasting Kyrie saying, you know, shut up, 
stop being toxic in another locker room. You know, you wanted out of Cleveland. You left a better situation. This is on you. Deal with it. And, you know, we know that Marcus Morris and Jason or not uh, uh, Jalen Brown got into it the other day. And a lot of weird things have been creeping into the Celtic organization that you would not think. Everyone thought they were clearly the best team in the East and said they're fifth. I think they're 27 and 15 right now. And it's um, they're not looking like the Celtics that everyone was expecting. And people are beating up on Kyrie for, again, like I said, being quote-unquote toxic uh, in this locker room. But I think... In my opinion, I would say that the locker room around him is what's toxic because they're, there's all these young guns, okay? And last year, and Kyrie even said this, and I thought, and nine times out of ten, I don't like anything that Kyrie says because to me, the man, he's not smart. He thinks the world's flat. Uh, he's done some stupid crap. Um, so I usually disagree with him, and I typically would fall on the people that say, yeah, he's just being Kyrie, you know, complaining like he always seems to do but in this case I'm on his side because he made a great point all these young guys are used to or at least people who are new to winning and being in the playoffs last year they weren't expected to do that so when you go in with no expectations the teams playing against you also don't have a certain expectation of what to expect from you um and you you can kind of play a little loose and a little uh i'll say reckless in the sense of you you can make a, maybe a few more st- mistakes because people are not ready for you they're not prepared for you as well um and the world's not expecting you so you can just do your thing and not expect the scrutiny and to be criticized now that they had such a great run in the playoffs last year and were able to force a game seven against uh, LeBron and the Cavaliers without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, now we're seeing a little bit of the dysfunction begins because now you're under the microscope. Now everyone's watching you. They believe that you should be the best team. You know, Brad Stevens, I know that he is trying to keep them at, at a high functioning team. He is the best quarterback, or quarterback, the best head coach in the NBA next to Greg Popovich. Um, and I know he's trying to fight to keep this team engaged and to keep them working. Um, but it seems like a lot of these young guns just want to do their thing and think that it's just going to come naturally. Um, and I think that Kyrie's in the right calling them out being like look you don't nothing is given in this league you got to earn it and these little things these little mistakes that you are making right now are what are going to come back to bite you in the butt when you get um to uh to the playoffs and and that's just something that they need to be aware about and that he is making clear to them that, you know, it's not, um, it's not easy and you, you have to be ready to, to put in the work day in, day out. And it just seems like the young guys aren't really focused on doing that right now. So 
in a, in a very strange turns of turn of events, I'm here defending Kyrie, saying that he's not toxic, but I think the locker room around him is kind of turning toxic, um, as people are starting to point fingers and things like that, and he is just calling them everybody out, being like, "Look, we all need to do better. We need to do our job, and we are a much better team than this record shows. Than we're proving. Let's fix this, and hopefully, you know." Brad Stevens has a really great talk with all these players and gets them focused in because they are, they should be the best, if not second best to the Raptors in the East and being fifth, it's just not okay. And hopefully uh, we'll we'll get to see if Brad Stevens is able to uh, turn them around or not. And if, you know, this has galvanized the team or is this something where Kyrie's correct words is going to cause a little bit more turmoil we'll just have to wait and see so that is everything that i wanted to talk about on today's show thank you everybody for tuning in and again i hope everyone enjoyed the sports weekend Uh, we had a lot of good things to talk about um and so and hopefully everyone (laughs) got around in that snow i know i did not have fun uh shoveling all that out yesterday but um, they're saying round two is on its way next weekend. So Friday show, we'll have to give you a weather report like always. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. I think uh, this ends today's show. I hope everyone uh, has a great week. Uh, check out all the games with, you know, our teams as the game Thursday with uh, NKU, Tuesday with UK. And then on Friday, we will talk about the NFL uh, conference championship matchups and who Brian, Michael, and I got in those games. So you guys can probably do the opposite of whatever I take. (laughs) And yeah, and we'll talk about everything that happened in in between now and then. So everyone, again, have a great week. I know I've said that like four times now, but this is your host, Lucas Ryman. This is Double Technical Podcast, and I will talk to you all on Friday.